the fruit of our lips, giving honor to you, giving reverence to you, Lord, this morning. We ask you will accept our offering, the offering of our hearts today. Oh, Father, thank you for the, for the privilege of grace, access to your grace, access to the dividends, the blessings of your throne. Thank you for access, Lord, to your spirit this morning. Thank you, Lord, for access, Lord, to the mercy, the fellowship, the fellowship of your exaltation. As the angels worship you, all the witnesses in heaven, Lord, giving you praise this morning. Father, we just come with our own little songs. We ask that you will accept our worship today. Our Father, we bless your name. We honor you. We pray, Lord, that this morning, that you will release, Father, your heart to us. We want to touch your heart again. We want to feel, Lord, the wholeness of the words that comes from you, our Father. The comfort of your voice. Lord, we pray this morning that you will grant us privilege, Lord, to fellowship in your house. Father, grant us the mercy of your table, that your word will not withdraw from us, that your word will be open to us. Father, we ask, Lord, for the flow of mercy and the flow of your grace, Lord Jesus, this morning. Wake up every heart again, every sleeping soul, every sleeping heart, every sleeping person, this morning, who needs to awaken in your love? I pray, Lord, that you will cause a fresh visitation of your person. A fresh release, Lord, of the oil of your presence to our hearts today. Father, I thank you. You said with joy we would draw waters out of the world of salvation. This morning we come with vessels, Lord. We ask, Lord, to fetch, we'll fetch the delight of your word this morning. Thank you, our Father. We pray that you will bring more insight, more clarity, Lord, concerning the matter of your life, the life which, for which you sent your son Jesus to die. He shed his blood. And Lord, for the sake of that blood, Lord, we have come to receive it. He said, this is the blood of the New Testament. The New Testament in my blood, it was shed for the remission of sins. Father, I pray this morning, let there be remission. We ask, Lord, as your blood is being ministered, I pray, Lord, let there be remission. As the 
the life in the blood, the spirit in the blood, the wisdom in the blood, the power in the blood, the grace in the blood. Father, as it is unveiled this morning, let there be cleansing. Let there be washing. Father, let there be transformation. Let there be purgings. Thank you, my Father. We give all the glory, all the reverence to you this morning, our King. We worship you. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. You can sit down. Thank you so much. God bless you. Please let's appreciate the worship team for helping us to worship this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Um, thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. You are a priest. You are a priest. He the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest. You are a priest. After the order of Melchizedek after the order of Melchizedek after the order thank you Jesus Thank you. Jesus, our high priest. We have come, Lord, to this junction. This is where we need help. This is where we need your help. Jesus, have mercy. Merciful and faithful high priest. High priest of good things to come. We ask for help. We ask for help. We ask for help. Help us. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us to break winds that are contrary to this understanding. Break wings that are contrary to this understanding. Break thoughts. Break imaginations. Holy Spirit. Bring this ministry. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 10. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10. If you're there, say amen. Uh, Okay, let's read verse 20. It says, by a new and living way. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. Amen. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Praise God. Then let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that had promised us. Praise God. Let's see chapter chapter 9. Amen. Chapter 9, I'll read from, from verse 1. It says, Then the, verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shewbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that bordered, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But unto the second when the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people, praise God. And verse 8, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Praise God. And which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But 
Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place. Now, this holy place is not the holy place. It's actually the most holy. Having obtained eternal redemption for us, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, that how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to do what? To serve the, to serve the living God. Amen. Amen. In, in verse 7, it says that the second, so the second veil went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. And then the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. Praise God. So... Uh, it means that the way into the holiest, while that first tabernacle, of course, that physical tabernacle was the tabernacle that stood in the wilderness. Um, they call it the first tabernacle, but it's, it wasn't really the first. It's the first tabernacle that became visible to men. Because before a long time, um, heaven actually was made with tabernacles. In it, heaven is actually a, a tabernacle. Maybe... The reason why they used first was because heaven is actually a temple, not a tabernacle. So the tabernacle is a, is a, is a building, a, a temporary structure that is raised with the pattern of the temple. Praise God. So the temple is a more permanent, established work, right? Established house. And a, a tabernacle is actually mobile. You can rear it down, you can rear it up again. So, so this was, I think this was probably the first tabernacle that was built out of the heavenly prototype. Amen. So, so he's saying here that even though in that tabernacle they gave the things, you saw the things of the holy place, and then God gave ordinances concerning the things of the most holy, that with that, and even he gave Aaron access once a year, but the access was limited. And the limitation of that access was to signify that while that first tabernacle was standing, that the, the way into the world, the holiest, was not made manifest. So when the first tabernacle was standing, um, as long as that tabernacle is standing, I was standing actually He's talking of standing before God. All right, so as long as that tabernacle is still in use, you know, God is the one who gave the tabernacle, right? And as long as that tabernacle was still in use and could still carry out a function that is a product of the ordinance that God gave and something that has an authority of God's ordinance upon it, and it's able to do that work. It was doing a work. 
as long as that's what it means for a tabernacle to stand. Praise God. It means that it has a standing in the spirit. It actually, they actually recognize it, that this thing is something that God has given to carry something out. So as long as that thing is still standing, it means that the way into the holiest is not actually made manifest. That, so it means that Aaron could go into the holiest and come out once a year, but there's something about the way into the holiest that even though he's doing it physically, there's still a whole lot about the way into the holiest which is actually not yet manifest. So the holiest is the actual most holy realm of God, which is meant not for bodies to travel to. Even though bodies, a spiritual body can go there, like Jesus' body did, but it's actually a realm for, for souls. It, the tabernacle aligns with the state of souls. Praise God. Now, why the tabernacle was still standing, he says, as long as that thing is standing, then the way, it means the way of the holiest is not, it's not unveiled. It's not known. Praise God. That the way, what's the word? The way into the holiest was not yet made manifest. Now, what's the meaning of manifest? To be, what is manifest? To show, to make it visible. Right, means that that way of into the holiest is something that God has hid. He actually hid that way. And that was actually part of the reason why God blocked out the tree, the, the road to the Garden of Eden, because of the, that, that, uh, that tree is actually able to give the soul, a person, the, a way. He's able to grant the way. That, the way is actually the way, amen, that God wanted to give to bless man with that way into the holiest realm where God is. Praise the Lord. So it took something for the seizing of the, the unveiling of the way to begin to occur. The first time that God signed that the, 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 there's an opening of that way or the seizing of the manifestation of that way has come was when Jesus died and there was a sign that happened that the veil of the temple was actually torn in two. Amen. The, the veil was torn in two. That signifies two things. The veil of the temple being torn in two signified that, number one, that temple is no longer functional. Amen. If it's torn, the moment you tear that veil, that veil is almost the seal of the temple, right? That veil, once you tear the veil, the veil, the temple can no longer, it means that veil being torn means God is no longer there. Amen. Because the veil, the purpose of the veil is to maintain the integrity of the dwellings of God, is to hide the, the Shekinah, the abiding glory. Amen. Even though it's possible that the Shekinah glory had left that place a long time ago, but technically things were still going on in the temple. Sacrifices were still ongoing. They were still doing things. Amen. Which God recognized. So the temple might have reduced in its efficacy, in its power, but it was still standing at that time when Jesus came. Praise God. 
So, so Jesus usually went there. He went into the temple from time to time, even during the days of his ministry. Am I correct? But when Jesus died, one thing that happened was that veil was torn in two. So it signified then that the, the temple is no longer standing. And if the temple is no longer standing, it means that it's now time for the way into the holiest to be made what? To be made manifest. The way into the holiest to be what? To be made manifest. Does that make sense? Praise God. So um, the, that way being made manifest is a, the manifestation of the way into the holiest is actually a, is a, is a curriculum in the spirit, right? Uh, to teach about, to teach the soul. What God wants to do is to teach souls how to access him, how to access his realm, how to access his world. Praise God. Now, that time of, of the of the Lord unveiling the realm of the holiest, there is a season of preparation that has to occur for a soul. Let's say a soul is a candidate for that world by virtue of development in Christ, right? Then they now have to bring, there's another curriculum that is different. I think we were discussing a little bit in the car this morning, just me and Wesley, and we're seeing that, that there is... Um, there is a season where you fin- you, when you finish the, the, the service of the holy place or when you accomplish the service, that there's accomplishing of the service of God that is done in the holy place, which is what the priests accomplish. They said it here, that into the first tabernacle, right, the priests went always accomplishing the service of God in verse 6. Praise God. Now, there's an accomplishment for the for the holy place, the accomplishment for the holy place is to come into the priesthood of Christ, to attain the priesthood of Christ or the, to attain the fullness of Christ is the accomplishment for the holy place. Amen. Now, when that is accomplished, then there is a curriculum that it doesn't really have much to do with service in the holy place or priestly service. It's actually a whole season of, of the release of teaching, doctrine, tutoring, schooling. is a development. It's actually a season of development, and it's a development for entrance. That a soul cannot just enter Praise the Lord. His soul cannot just enter into God's presence. There is teaching. And it was manifest, like we're saying, was manifest during God's, um, the way God gave his ordinances to Aaron. God taught Aaron about the holy place. Taught him about the service as through Moses. About the service of the holy place, about the service of the priest. When you read Leviticus, Leviticus is the book of Levi. It's the book of all that Levi should do, the ordinances of Levi, what is ordained for Levi to do, the pattern of their service in their different orders, 
is in that book of Leviticus. Praise God. And so God taught Moses about the priesthood. He taught him how to use the sanctuary. He taught him to teach Aaron and his sons how to use the sanctuary. Taught them how to use the, 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 the lamp, how to use the, the altars, all the altars. Amen. How to use even the altar of incense. Then, but there is a cause that God taught Aaron that didn't have to do with the holy place, service in the holy place. is actually a wisdom and training for entrance. That there are things, that is when you check the curriculum of Aaron, the high priest, you will find that there is, in there, and there is knowledge he has that just pertain to our entrance, access. Now, now God, they didn't teach Aaron how to abide in the most holy. That's the difference between, there's a difference between what Aaron knew and what Moses knew. Amen. Do you understand? There's a difference between what, what Aaron knew and what Moses knew. What Moses knew was higher than what Aaron knew. Right? Because Moses knew, what, what Moses knew is what they were supposed to teach the whole of Israel. Right, what they were supposed to bring all of Israel into. That knowledge is a knowledge of abiding. The knowledge of how to stay and the knowledge of how to remain in the presence of God. The knowledge of how to stay in the glory. How to abide with the glory. How to dwell with the glory. How to live with the glory. How to use the glory. They had to, the teaching of the, the, the thought of the glory, the principles of the glory, how to live from and to stay and to abide constantly, to fetch way of life and abode and dwelling in the realms of the glory of God. God's goal was to make Israel glorious upon the earth, to make them, all of them, a glorious nation. Amen. So, and, so that was the training that God went to bring them. But for God to do that, God told Moses, go and tell them that, what? Take time. They have been through the wilderness. They've gone through different kind of training in the wilderness. But God now said, I want to do another work to them. I want to actually do an everlasting work in the people of Israel. And of course, he said that that everlasting work is the Impartation of, of course, his own fear. Amen. And, of course, is to impart the, the compatibility in them with abiding in his presence. Praise God. Then he told them, okay, there's a, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a season of preparation. Don't just come. Go and take three days and go and prepare. Prepare yourself for what? For access. Now, any soul that's not prepared for the presence of God, if you try to bring a soul into God's presence without a preparation for the presence, you, that soul, you can cause even more death than life. The soul can end up dying than what? Than living. Praise God. So that was why in, when God was I mean, when they told Aaron how to approach the, 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 the presence, they told him that when you're going, you have to tie a bell around you. Praise God. 
that there's no chance that you're going to, there's no, there's a chance you could, might not come out, right? If when you get there, let's say all the things that you're supposed to have, all your preparation with which you are supposed to pass the way and to appear in the presence, if you don't have everything accurately, it's possible that death could occur and they will have to pull you out by a cord that you tied around, around you. Amen. So, so that thing is what God wanted to do to Israel. So when they got there, they saw it. They said, so they cannot do it. And they went back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Yeah. So there is a doctrine of, of preparing the way. Remember, when you were coming into Christ, there was a doctrine of preparation for to come into the realm of Christ, which was part of the doctrine of John, John the Baptist which is what we're seeing, am I correct? Which is for, for access into the kingdom. Access into the kingdom is access into Christ. Amen. But when you want to move from Christ to God, there is also a doctrine of preparation. And that doctrine is the doctrine of the veil. Praise God. The doctrine of, of that veil. That veil is an institute. Just the veil. Amen. The veil. See, the veil. The veil. The veil that veils God. It doesn't just open. God, there is a thick veil. It's actually very thick. In the Old Testament, the way God told Solomon to design it is actually a thick veil. The veil, you can perceive what I'm saying, that God has a veil around him. And that veil is thicker than the veil that is around Christ. It's not the the same kind of power that can make Christ seen to a natural man. That power cannot make God sin. It's not the same kind of power. There are different kind of powers for different kind of beings. Different powers for different kind of what? Of beings. For different entities. The power that makes Christ sin is a power that's embedded within the washing of the water and of the spirit. Or the baptism of water and of spirit according to what Jesus Christ said. In John, chapter, in John chapter 3. So that baptism, except you are born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter. We know that the entrance into the kingdom is the beginning into the world of Christ. Am I correct? Be the access into the world of Christ. Amen. Amen. So, so that, thing, and that thing, water and spirit is actually powerful. It's a preparation, right, which is under the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Right, which begins the ministry of sight. Amen. To be able to see the kingdom. And then for what? Entrance into the kingdom. Praise God. But then there is another kind of preparation. Another kind of power that has to be, um, that has to be unlocked. Right? It has to, a different power that has to be at work to bring about the unveiling of God, to bring about the unveiling of God to a soul is a, is a special operation and a special work that needs to be done within the heart. Amen. Am I saying something today? Okay, so uh, you see verse, let's go back to this Hebrews 9. It says, but into the second veil went the high priest alone once every year not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the what? 
the errors of the people. And the Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was what? Was standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect. So as pertaining the conscience. So it means that the, what made the way of the, into the holiest not open was that there was no instrument available for the perfection of service as pertaining to the conscience. Let's read that verse 9. What was, so it was, was for a figure for the time then present. means that temple, what God gave of restricting the access of Aaron, was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not do what? Make him that did his service. So, they, so him that is doing the service was not, could not make, be made perfect as pertaining to what? The conscience. So that would tell you that the purpose of the service which was being done, right? You know, they go into the holy place they, to accomplish the service of God. Now, this service of God is not the service that is done in the most holy. There is a first accomplishment of service which has to be done in the temple. The first accomplishment of service which has to be done in the temple is an accomplishment for it is for God. Now listen, when you, someone can be doing Christ, you know, this is English, so we have to peel the English away and then see the spirit of what they are saying. Now, if you are, praise God. Hallelujah. You say, Paul will say, this trust we have in, through Christ, to God word, it's through Christ. So he's actually, when you see his ministration, he's actually a minister of Christ, but he now began to put the end, at the end of his ministration, attached that, look, this ministry is actually for God. So, so when you are, someone is serving in the holy place, you say, wow, this is the realm of Christ. We are serving Christ, right? There's a temptation to even call it the service of Christ. But it's not. The reason for Christ is, is, is also for the service of God. Because Christ does not have a purpose without God. Amen. Christ does not have what? A purpose without God. Now, but Christ is a, Christ is a very, 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 very mighty accomplishment. When you find a soul who can fetch the conversation of Christ and begin to do Christ, and actually when you are here on the earth, it's very clear that those people who are in Christ's service, you have a feeling like you, are, you have an elite kind of thing. There's something about Christ that's higher. Because when you are doing Christ, and you look outside and look at the world, you know that what you are doing is higher. 
it's somebody who doesn't know what you are doing that thinks that well, this guy is not relevant here. That's one thing with the priesthood. That from the outside, God made the priesthood look empty from the outside. And God did it intentionally. He made, it, he made, sure, he made sure that the priests, they don't look glamorous. They don't look to... A priest only looks glory, glorious to a person whose eyes has been healed. Do you understand me? Unless if you're, it depends on your taste board, what you savour. If you don't savour, there's a certain thing that your, your heart must savour some kind of things for you to find glory in priesthood. Amen. So you see the life of the priest, for example, a lot of Israelites might disdain that life. I look at, ah, those are those guys who, man, God just, they are suffering, ah, they are suffering for us. Let them suffer. But we are the ones enjoying, you know what I mean? We can do our life, we can have plans, we can do anything we want to do. But those guys are just bound. They don't even wear nice clothes. They just wear white garments. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Now, when that, those robes were being made, God said it's being made for glory and for beauty. Now, the glory and the beauty which God was speaking about there is not, is not the glory and the beauty that a man will see and like. It's not that kind of glory because if it was that kind of glory, God would not need his spirit to rest upon men to do the work. God would just say, go and bring the finest fashion designer in town. You mean the person whose work all the men approve. And then you bring him the way he sews clothes for the average Israelite, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, the kind of cloth they like. Go and bring the best person who can sew clothes well and design clothes. And I want the best cloth for my priests. Go and bring it. That's not what God did. God had to go and direct him to some hidden guys that those guys, when you see them, you might not even know they have skill for garments. But God said, go and meet them. I've been preparing them. I've been working something else in them. Amen. And then I'll put my spirit in them to do a kind of a cunning work, a work that when they weave the garment and when they make the garment, that thing will carry the, it will carry the kind of beauty of the spirit. So the beauty of priesthood, this, this is also flowing with what we were saying yesterday, that the glory and the beauty of priesthood it's a carnal eye cannot see it. If carnal eye can see priesthood as glorious, everybody, trust me, everybody in the world would desire to be a priest. Everybody, all your relatives, by the time they see, ah, this life, wow, this thing you are doing, there's something about you that's just very, very awesome. Amen. This place would have been very, very full, right? With all the people who know you, amen, who, who your life are people, you find that, the beauty of God can be ugly to men. Amen. God's beauty can be what? Ugly to men. It doesn't look appealing to men. The way it is, it smells. There's something around about it that does not seem appealing to men. Praise God. Now, so that thing um, called the, the service which is being done, praise God, in the realm of Christ has its own 
height. It's not visible outward. But by those priests, those priests themselves, they know that what they are keeping is very, very powerful. They are enjoying the glory and the beauty of their own profession. Praise God. But when you see, when you take a priest of the holy place and then you, that that is the best he can do. He's he's above the people. He has measured some kind of sanctification. And then you now take him to a place where um, he's taken, right, from the realm of man. Right? He's taken from the realm of man. And you now bring him into a place where the, the audience is not man. The audience is God. That priest will feel ashamed to, uh, to a degree. Maybe shame is not the right word, but he will feel a little bit what deficient. He will feel ashamed, actually, a little bit. When Jesus Christ, when Hebrews was speaking about Jesus Christ, was through crying, through what? And vehement tears to him who was able to save him from death. That time, I believe that season of his crying was actually a Christ that was still seeing death compared to who? To the life of God. Amen. I want to tell you something now. Okay, how do you explain the prophecy of Isaiah concerning mourning? Mourning, they mentioned mourning there. They mentioned ashes there. Those people are people who mourn in Zion. Now, why are they mourning in Zion? The, what is the core? If you want to break down the attitude of mourning in Zion, why are they mourning? What is their ashes? What is it? It is not relative to the people. It's relative to God. And when you come into Zion, when you, you might be very, very happy before. Then when you come, the more you are serving, you are serving. The more you are serving, and you are serving, because service moves you closer. It moves you closer. As you are getting closer, you are getting closer to the veil. The more you the closer to the veil you get, the more the intensity of mourning. The more the intensity of mourning, the more ashes. What is that ashes? Is ashes means you know you take ash. That's also a, a, an operation in mourning. You take ash and cover yourself. What does that mean? That means that I don't. I don't like this one. You cover it. This one ought to be covered. Are you getting me? That this one, even though men might be celebrating that, that adornment, but ashes means that you, t- you take it by yourself. You get what I mean? It is not, you take it and you put ashes on yourself. That was the, the, the way mourners used to mourn in those days. Praise the Lord. You have to cover yourself with ashes. It means that you are covering the present adornment and you are doing it for a reason, for 
a greater what? For a better glory. Am I making sense to you? Now, that thing is important. It's very important. Um, when you are learning Christ, after a while, you will learn Christ. Christ starts with plenty of excitement. But when you just begin the doctrine of Christ, you, you begin with a lot of excitement because you're learning new things. You're learning awesome things. And you are seeing the elevation of those things above the world. Right? Christ is the man who is elevated beyond the world. But when you continue in Christ for a while, it's not that Christ, Christ doesn't diminish. It's just that Christ is not, when you are in Christ, when you are serving Christ, praise God, when you are serving Christ, the closer, the more you are serving, the higher you go in the service of Christ, the more another appetite for a higher ministry, another appetite for a higher place begins to come and begins to rest. Am I saying something? Okay. The appetite for, how you know your Christ is working well is that after a while, you begin to test for God. That's how you know that you are actually doing well in Christ. You begin to thirst for God. Christ is, Christ is the man that makes men have appetite and have what? Desire for God. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. So here, you now see here that these men were doing service, but the service they were doing was supposed to accomplish something which is to bring about the preparation which is necessary for the access into the things of God. Now that preparation, from where we read before, Hebrews chapter 10, it says that, verse 20, it says, by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in what? Full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our body washed with pure water. So, so it means that the drawing near, what makes you able to draw near is, or what makes you able to approach that way that leads into the holiest is by what? your heart sprinkled from what? From an evil conscience. That's the same thing they said in chapter 9, verse 9. That what made the way not open, not visible, is that it could not make them that did the service perfect as pertaining to what? To the conscience. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go now. Praise God. I want to... Amen. Are you guys ready? Yes, sir. Okay.
Praise God. Now, this thing called the conscience, right? There's the conscience is what opens the, the door. So, like we were saying yesterday, that what opens the door into God is that thing called that the depth of man, right? Where the depth of man's consciousness, right, is. Praise God. It means that hidden secret things that are in the depth of the soul, praise God, that are not compatible with the realm of God. That realm is where there's a, the perfecting of the conscience is the criteria for coming nearer. So that conscience being perfect, being perfect is actually the purpose of the school of Christ. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said that the, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and then of faith on faith. Are you seeing that? Charity. What verse is that? Verse 5, 1 Timothy 1, verse 5, that the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of what? And of faith on faith. Now, faith on faith is what you call the full assurance of faith. Praise the Lord in this place. Now, that full assurance of faith is not just having faith of the Son. The full assurance of faith is a faith that has yielded its product, its fruit. And the full assurance of faith is actually the perfection or making the conscience good. When the conscience becomes good, amen, at that point, faith has come into its full assurance, amen. And at that point, that's where the soul has charity out of what? Out of a pure out of a pure heart. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus spoke of, sorry, Paul spoke in verse 10. He said that it's that sprinkling from an evil conscience, right? And then that makes the you grant access. In chapter 9, verse 14, it says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works so that you can serve what? The living God. So it's very clear. The purging of your conscience from dead works is very, very key and is very vital for you to begin to serve the living God now. The purging of your conscience is the an accomplishment of his service, right? That's what we saw before. The first level of service is the purging of your conscience. When the conscience has been purged, the first service has been done. Amen. But there is another service, which is the serving of the living God, which is actually the, the serving the living God is the school of everlasting life. What you begin to learn is, so, people who, they teach the service of the living God are souls whose conscience have been, what, purged. They have been purged. So, those who have come into a good conscience, that such people are able to 
become then servants of who? Servants of the living God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, verse 15, it says, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. Now, that word cause, say cause. cause. What was the meaning of cause there? The cause means this is project, right? It's to fulfill this cause, to fulfill this project. He, he is the mediator of the New Testament by the means of death for redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. Praise God. And they which are called, so that they which are called may receive the what? Promise of eternal inheritance. So those that are called will not receive the promise of eternal inheritance, right? Until they have been purged in their conscience, and they're now able to serve the living God. Then after serving the living God, what will happen? Then they might receive the promise, praise the Lord, of what? The eternal inheritance. Amen. Amen. Now, so Jesus, this priest... Now, this cause, when they say this cause, means because of this project, they made him a mediator, a mediator of the New Testament. Now, in his, that mediation role, he also, they raised him a certain way. He passed through a process to become a mediator of the New Testament. Now, that process was from becoming a priest of the sanctuary to becoming a priest of God. Amen. Amen. From becoming what? The priest of the sanctuary to becoming a priest of God. Let's see. Let's just read a little bit about Jesus' priesthood um, to, to clarify. Amen. First of all, if you read Hebrews chapter 5, they say from verse 1, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is what? Ordained for men in what? Things pertaining to God. I'm going to be going quite fast today. There's a lot of things I feel God wants to say and I'm going to just go. So I'm going to assume that you have speed to follow. And if you don't have speed, don't worry. It's okay. Amen. But I don't want the Lord to, to, sorry, anything to cheat us out of what God wants to say. So it says, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that they may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. You see, for the reason why a high priest, why they, t- they take a high priest from among men and then, and then ordain him for men. That's what it means to be a mediator. So they took him from men and then ordained him for men. To, so in, but in things pertaining to God. Are you seeing that? So this, this status of a high priest is talking of a particular work or a role of a high priest. Not, you know, the high priest has a role in the sanctuary. Like Jesus did have a role in the sanctuary. Like Aaron did have a role in the sanctuary. Like Eli did have a role in the sanctuary. Amen. But there is the service. We've, we've already distributed services. We, we explained the service that is in the realm of Christ. It's actually about God too. 
but it's in the Christ world. They will now say there's actually a higher service, which is what you call the service of what? Of the living God. Amen. So the service of the living God is a service in things pertaining to God. It's a specific domain of service. Amen. So that particular aspect of his service is what... Now, Jesus was already a priest when he was walking the earth. He, as a matter of fact, he was already a priest when he was... Even before he became known, he had already moved into the... the Christ world is a priestly world. Are you getting me? So Jesus was a priest, and then while he was walking the earth, because as a point... When there was a particular miracle that happened, and then Jesus now said something, and he used that as an opportunity to give insight. I'm sure, I'm sure the Holy Ghost, you know, the Holy Ghost was speaking through Jesus as he was doing things for the release of Scripture, so that those would come into. They got to a point where he said that this thing happened so that you might know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. Now that was talking about not the power which he would come into after resurrection when he ascends into heaven, which that happened. But he was talking about while he was in the school of everlasting works or in the school of living works, he had power on earth to forgive sins. That's why he would tell a person, go, your sins are forgiven you. I've actually forgiven you. Sin no more. Are you getting me? So that, that will tell you something. That the blood of Jesus was already, already in existence. But he was carrying it around. He was carrying that blood on the inside of him. And at some time he can take it and use it and sprinkle and do things to people. Are you getting me? Why, why Jesus was moving, his blood was at work. There was blood. There was, it was blood that was... Blood is what, when he told, we tell somebody, follow me. The following, by following Jesus, you, you, will not, you can't follow him without experiencing cleansing. Praise God. When you are following him, now that following of him is you are following the trail of his life. But that is a blood, the blood that was in him that he was already using for cleansing. At different levels. Are you getting me? So, I mean, while Jesus was alive, he was everlasting, he was still doing the works, but he could do a measure of cleansing that pertained to certain level of sins. So that was what he referred to as having power on earth to do what? To forgive sins. Do you see that? Amen. So, So when you say the high priest... So that forgiveness of sin was still, was still high priestly. Jesus could bring about high, high priestly ministry, which he was actually executing at a level. But this place is speaking about now when a high priest is taken from among men, and then ordained for men in things that what? Things pertaining to God. And so that he can then offer both what? Gifts and then what? And sacrifices 
forward for sins, to offer both gifts and then what? Sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he also, so of course, in the, in the natural order, Aaron was also encompassed with what? With what? Infirmities. Amen. And by reason thereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer. That was Aaron. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as what Aaron. And so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, that thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And he said also in another place, that thou art a what? Priest forever. Afterward, the order of what? Melchizedek. So, now, a priest is not the same as a priest forever. Amen. So, a priest forever is a priest that has come into an everlasting priesthood. Right? So, it means that you cannot be a priest forever until you move into everlasting life. Right? That what makes a person a priest forever is some, it's a person who has begun to do the works what, of everlasting life. And who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he, what, he feared. The fear here is the fear of the Lord, which Jesus had developed into, which was a crowning spirit of the seven spirits of the law. And so after that fear, he, he got into that fear. That fear transitioned him into the, the fullness of season of mourning. So this crying and prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death was actually... The, the season of, of deep, strong mourning. It was deep, what? Strong mourning. Amen. That when a heart arrives at the fear of the Lord, they become mourners. Praise God. They become what? Mourners. This mourning is not, you can't mourn with strength. You can't just say, I want to go and mourn. You don't have what it takes to mourn this kind of mourning. It takes, it's a morning you need to be developed to mourn. This kind of morning. What is the morning? It's, it's when a soul becomes, comes into sorrow for God. You don't, we don't know that yet. It's a state. A soul can come into what? Mourning for God. Desire. Amen. For God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? A soul must be developed to that point. Some of us, we are still enticed with the world. We are still carried away with the world. We enjoy the world. We enjoy it. Praise God. Some of us, we still what? We enjoy the world. Worldly things make us joyful. Praise God. How many of you enjoy some worldly things? (laughs) Praise God. 
So when you're enjoying, the, have you seen someone that's joyful and mourning at the same time? You're enjoying things. If you're, when you're enjoying things, you can't mourn. You can't mourn when you are, when you are enjoying things. When, when, you are, when you enjoy the world and they bring thought things about God to you, they will make you feel like sleeping. Because you don't have anything. There's nothing inside you. There's nothing, there's nothing in you that, is, that has a honest desire for it. So it looks, it looks laborious. It looks burdensome. When you bring something worldly, life just comes. Like you pl- when you plug in a robot. Or a doll. My, my daughter's doll. Very annoying things. And the dolls are always happy. You know what I mean? They don't have mood, mood, calm mood. They have no temperament. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So once you plug that battery in and press the button, I mean... You know, so some of us are like that when it comes to the things of the world. When you're hearing high priest, all these things are uh, high priest, oh, priest. Let's just change the conversation now. Let's just change it to something else right now. You see, sleep will disappear. Let's bring a TV now and play one movie like that. All of no sleep anymore. So that is what you call death. It's deadness. Dead. That's why. To now put anything like God inside you, they must fight with you, war with you. You are sleeping, they must raise you. Okay, listen. And fight with your soul and talk it and say it and say it and say it. Shout it. Praise God. So Christ is, that's why they had to send, God had to send the Christ first. Christ is to heal you from the world, bring you into another, another, another place, change your attention from worldly things and change your appetite, give you another world of things to enjoy, to learn to enjoy priestly things. Praise the Lord. Learn to enjoy Christ is the spiritual man. Right? He's a spiritual man. Christ is to tune your appetite, your taste board from the natural to the spiritual. Learn to enjoy things that don't appear, things that cannot gratify your flesh and your soul and your lust and your pride and your, your status and all of those things. Learn to serve all the things of the spirit. Praise God. So that's, that's the purpose of Christ, why Christ was, was given to us. Praise God. So you now find out when, and when you have done very well with Christ, this is the test that of a Christ soul is that at the end of their development, they break into mourning season. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. They learn to mourn. What's the mourning? Is it, God, thank you, I've been delivered from the world. I don't have anything. I hate the world. I detest the world right now. I'm ready for your glory because when they peel the world away from you, amen, it was like what Paul was saying 
that when we take off this habitation, that we in this body do grow to be clothed with our own habitation, which is from above. So the clothing that man is meant to wear is actually the presence and the glory of God. And Christ is meant to create the appetite for that word, for that clothing, and for that glory. Praise the Lord. So this is what Jesus was doing, that who in the days of his flesh, when, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and, and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet lend he what? Obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect... Praise God. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after what the order of what Melchizedek. Though he were a son, he lent obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So they, they tie this place, praise God, with the, with your own part, your, Jesus' own part, with your own part. Now, this um, though he was his son, let him lend the obedience by the things which he suffered. These things which he suffered is what they, they did to him for you. In chapter 2, verse 10, from verse 9, remember, he said, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than, than angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death forward, every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation, what? Perfect through suffering. So they had to make their captain perfect through what? This suffering. Now, because that suffering is not just suffering. Suffering means the learning of obedience. What did I say suffering is? Learning of obedience. Suffering is the learning of obedience. Now, you see, this thing, this is where you, this is the definition of spirituality, of, the, of learning, of being spiritual. Now, there are some of us that are not wise. We have a different definition of being spiritual. Some of us, our definition of being spiritual is, let everything just be calm around me. And let, so I can just wake up, no problem, nothing, just, I can focus, I just want to focus on enjoying my worship music and pray in the morning and do my devotion and everything is calm and peaceful. Then I am spiritual. If that's all your life, you will never be spiritual. If, I mean, if that's the summary of what is in you. If that's what you're looking for, spirituality, because if, you're, if you look at that alone as spirituality, you'll be avoiding anything that disturbs you. Because you see that thing as a, is, it, is your mind that produced it. So anything in your environment that seems like a disturbance, you kick it out. Including your brethren. 
you know, brethren are always, always a problem. Eh? Well, brethren don't always let you enjoy, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> they don't, they are, brethren have grace, power, to make sure that you're not enjoying, you know, that peaceful life. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Every time. I'm just seeing you. I just like seeing you every time. My heart is so calm. Amen. Your, your heart is calm until one brother comes. And... Are you getting what I'm saying? So sometimes that image we have, that's not spiritual. You can't grow like that. Are you getting me? You will never grow. You will never, never, ever grow. That's not where, that's not where the spiritual nature is formed. The spiritual nature is not formed in praying and worshiping. That's not where the spiritual nature is formed. The spiritual nature is formed in season of contradiction that imposes on you to fetch response from a different kind of life. Is the, the spiritual nature is, is the downloading of another man. That if they leave you, you can't download that man just by praying. Praise the Lord. That's the reason why God, God makes sure, if God really, really wants to save you, and God does that, God will, they will scan your own soul. They will check where your own issues are. They will check, these are your real problems. They will now, they will now find, okay, out of all your brethren, which, which one can can activate that hidden program inside you. Those are the ones that they will, they will look for them. They will just find them with the one that can activate. You know that there's something that they touch. It's a, it's a, it's a switch inside your soul. Nobody has ever touched that area before. <laughs> to open it, to expose it, to show it. So by the time they bring that thing to you, then that is your suffering. They, are you seeing that, that brother, that brother or that sister? Are you seeing that brother or that sister? That's your service. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. That, that person that to that to to deal with them, that 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 when you have been mastered the dealing with those things, there is no way that you are left, that you are still alive. Are you get the, the challenge that they bring to you in Christ is the challenge that when you have finished mastering that challenge, that you are gone. A spiritual man has appeared. That's the nature of the Christ path. But some converts will run away. Oh, Lord, they stop me. I can't, I can't even pray. I can't listen to the Lord. And then you run away to your solitude place. Praise God. And then when you are enjoying that solitude, five years you are still the same. Nothing has happened to you because you have not overcome anything. You've not mastered anything. You've not gained any additional wisdom. You've not gained additional grace. They've not expanded you. They didn't add anything to you. You are just praying and enjoying your version of spirituality. That's your own version of spirituality. 
That's not spirituality. So, you, you, is it a coincidence that they tied the marker of spirituality, Christ, to the brethren? That thing called the love of the brethren. The love. Until you have purified your souls. What? Through what? The spirit. Uh-huh. Unto unto unfeigned love, then see that you love one another fervently with a what? Pure heart. So that thing called unfeigned love of the brethren, unfeigned love of the brethren, unfeigned love, unfeigned. See, unfeigned. So that unfeigned love of the brethren is a product of faith unfeigned. Right, so it means that there's something about the depth of your conscience. Are you getting me? That's where they buried the things that are contrary to the word, to the spiritual nature. And you cannot find them out. Like when, if you are living a peaceful, simple Christian life, nobody's disturbing you. You have no, there's nobody in your environment who you that triggers you, that upsets you and all that, you've driven them away. You run away from all of them. Now, when you run away, you have faults in you. Those faults are in your conscience. Now, if, if you say, okay, let me be praying about them, you, you don't know them. Most of the time, the things that, why you're running away from those brethren is because what they are bringing out of you are reactions that you didn't even know are there. They are stronger than their powers inside your nature, and you, and you can't control them. You don't have mastery of them. Are you getting what I'm saying? So all these things, like, when you, so the life of the brethren that we're seeing from the scripture is not is not sometimes we tend to think about it in a collective sense. It's not just like, oh, let's all gather and then behave like brethren. No, it's not that. It is that it's your own individual thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's an operation for your own salvation, for your own personal salvation. So, when, when you are seeing brethren, they say brethren, brethren. Uh-huh. and they are checking bread brotherhood in, your, in you, it's not, the way they do it is not that God is coming to look at collective, how do you guys all look like brethren? No. When they are, when they are judging for promotion in the spirit, your other, the other brethren are not there. It's you. So they are not checking at the picture. They are not looking at the big picture. They are looking at in you, that brotherhood, is it inside you? Are you, have you, have you, uh, do you have the DNA, the code of that life? Praise the Lord. So you see, the challenge of Christ is that, is that, um, 
it is the it is the incremental growth that comes to you, the addition that comes to you while dealing with the challenges of your infirmity. While you are dealing with the challenges of your infirmity. If you run from your infirmity, you will not be spiritual. Right? So the, the, the nature you are supposed to go to, is the, you are supposed to have is this, that is that you move towards things that unveil your infirmity. That is against the natural tendency of men. Men want to move away from things that unveil their infirmity to to protect their delusion of of spirituality, which is not there. Because the more nobody can trigger trigger you, after a while you start feeling like you are Jesus. When When there's nobody to... There's no one to remind you that you have all these things. Are you getting me? So, but the, this part of Christ is, the, you are supposed to gravitate towards environments, things that reveal your weaknesses. You are not supposed to hide it. You are supposed to let it, okay, let it be clear every day. To me, when you are seeing that you are weak every day, you are in a good place. You are in a good, yeah, you are in an awesome place. Stay there, prepare to be there for long. Make, make plans to be to, to remain there. Do you know why? Because that is your calling. I was talking to someone recently about this, and I tell her that that is the moment you step away from such a situation, the amount of meaning of your in your life reduces. And when you step away and kill everything that has that impact on you, you'll be living without meaning. You won't have a feeling of meaning of what you are doing. The meaning comes from the overcoming of those challenges. Are you getting me? Praise the Lord. So, so when you are in, in such circumstances where it seems like you are being triggered, things are happening to you that you can't understand, you are having responses that you should not be that's, that's a blessed place. That's where you are. You, the door is open for learning. The door is open for, for development. You, are, you have come into the world of Christ where, where your, your carnal nature is being offended and they are raising a higher standard, a higher demand for your carnal nature. The people you should be around are people who require for you to live a higher standard. People who require for it means that in every when you are conversing with them, they have they have the keys to things that make you angry. But as you are doing that, they should be trying to fetch a different, fetch a different man. Try to get not you to respond. Try to get the other man to respond. If you discover that you always answer all the time, say, okay, is it possible for Christ to answer today? Can instead of me, I me, I know what I would normally say, how I will respond. But can we allow Christ to respond today instead? How do you fetch the other man? Is check it. 
what are his attributes? What, how, how is he supposed to speak in this matter? You find out now Christ is also poor grace every time. Poor grace into the conversation instead of strife. Poor healing. Poor mercy. Poor forgiveness. Poor love. Poor understanding. Then poor forbearance. Poor patience. Poor faith. From, from, you know, from one conversation to another conversation to another conversation, you, after a while you will get used to allowing Christ. That's how they raise a spiritual soul. Amen. So because such situation, it, it makes you, um, amen, it makes you, it is such dealings that, that deal with your conscience. Because your conscience is too deep. You can't reach there to, to correct it. It will take certain things Maybe when you are thrown into a situation that you don't have the normal composure to handle. Praise God. One of the one of the signs of one of the signs of um, one of the signs that your that your Weaknesses that you are you are reaching your weak your an area of weakness, or is being touched or tampered with is when watch your heart whenever a response of anger comes out from you, because anger is the is the natural response to something that you don't like. But when something makes you angry, there are many reasons why something can make you angry. It could be that you have a feeling of loss. Something that you hold dearly is being tampered with, which ties to lust in you. Things that you don't you don't want to be separated from. Are you getting me? That somehow that conversation, that interaction is tampering with something that you hold dearly, which should, that should not be attached to your soul. It, anger can come out. It can be that maybe not lost. It can be that your pride is tampered with. That, oh, the way, is the way he speaks to me. No, it's not what he said. It's just the attitude about how he says it, how she says it. Why? What is wrong with that attitude? The attitude is that you know that that person has no single regard for you. <laughs> they didn't tell you. <laughs> Praise God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even, they just, even just saying, hey, where is that thing? <laughs> it's not that... Asking you where is that thing is not a bad question. You're just asking about something. But there's a way they said it that ministered to you that this person does not respect anything. In fact, this person, this person doesn't even see me as anything. So, so just because of the tone of how they, how they said it, when you are bringing the thing, instead of giving it, you can throw it. Or instead of bringing it, you can, hey, look at it there. Are you getting me? But what you said is not, 
<laughs> it came out of a fountain of... Are you getting me? So, when you, so when, anytime you catch yourself being angry, that's a, a good way to realize when something is at work because angry, anger is a general reaction to many, many things, usually. So when something gets you upset, know that, ah, what is that thing? There's something here. So, and then it's time to fetch the Christ response. What is the Christ response? The Christ response is not, let me just maybe pretend that I'm Jesus and just act out something. No. The Christ response is that you want to, you, there, there, are, many, there, there are many layers to this thing. There was a time the Lord was telling me, this was just his teaching to me, it was just that, um, learn how, learn how to, Learn how to wait. How to be, how, learn how to be, learn how to be motionless. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for the right word to say it, but I'm just trying to, to explain it. To be motionless in terms of, um, when something happens, don't do what occurs to you to do. Just stay, just wait. Now, the purpose of that waiting is to give God a chance. You know what I mean? It started, it started first. It started first. This was where, where leading of the Spirit started for me. We, after, apart from leading to pray, believe God, get this, get that, get money, get job. I don't mean that. I mean leading to change. Uh-huh. The first leading of transformation that God, that I got, that I know that, wow, this is a leading of the Spirit, but I did not have to do with other things, material things, was, I'm not, was not talking. That was the first leading of the Spirit. The first leading of the Spirit I had. So it's be quiet. Just be quiet. Don't talk. Don't talk. That was the first leading. I mean, I feel somewhere that was the first leading of everybody. When it comes to spirituality, I feel like that's the first leading. Is don't don't say anything, just don't talk. It's not easy. It's not. It's easy not to to not speak about issues you are indifferent about. But when there are issues that touch you, that matter, that that are bubbling your feelings, your emotions, you have. In fact, you have things to say about this matter. Mm. That, that's why James was saying that if a man does not sin in his tongue, if you are holy, <laughs> see that tongue, a little member, see the way great ships are stirred by a little rudder. That what is moving the ship when you go under the ship is one tiny rudder thing that's moving. It's moving the direction of a whole massive vessel on the sea, very tiny thing under the under the ship. As the sailor, his captain is steering, he's just connected to that little rudder that's steering it. He said, as great vessels are stirred by a little, so what? Can, he said, the little, the, that little tongue, amen, you cannot destroy it, but it can set the whole body. What, what does it mean to set the body on fire? 
It can, your tongue can fill you with iniquity. It can fill your body with sin. Say, oh, what a fire the little member kindled. That little thing called the tongue. Praise the Lord. So, so that's, that's the beginning of holiness. Of right, it's, it's, don't be, it's not talking. So let your, let your words be filled with grace. Let it be seasoned with salt. He said that let your tongue impart grace to the hearers. That was the beginning of my own spirituality. And God, God is saying that, you see tongue, was teaching me about tongue. He was just teaching me a lot about tongue. I see tongue is powerful. The Lord was telling me that I have, I have things to do with your tongue. But first I have to purify it. What, the way the Lord, Holy Ghost was resting to me then was that the Holy Spirit was like, the power that your tongue is supposed to carry is too great that if I put that power in this tongue, you will kill people. You will, you will, you will do, be doing harm everywhere. You will be slain. <laughs> so you, I can't put authority in your tongue if the tongue has not been, if that tongue cannot be controlled by my spirit, then I cannot put authority on that tongue. Some of us, the reason why we don't have the authority of the Spirit enough in our life is that if God does that, you will cause harm. <laughs> it's like God will put what power on something he cannot control. Praise God. Every day, angels will be telling you, God, well, that your guy has done something there. <laughs> Praise God. Maybe they have to send some angels to come and carry you. How about you? When you start displaying. <laughs> Praise God. When you, amen. So authority, so that, and, and God wants men to carry the authority, his impression. You know, when you carry the impression of God, men will be coming towards you. People will be gathering towards you because you carry the impression of God. That thing is, 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 a, is a virtue of your, it's an authority of God. And God is looking for men on the earth like that. Because those men will be the saviors of the world. Men who carry God's impression that all men can come around them. You know what I mean? And through them, they can be channels of God's ways. But God cannot put something like that on a person. That after God does that, people are coming around. You one day, you just scatter everything. You just, you just fetch one display from the pit of hell. You will sit down and give hell, the pulpit of your heart, to use for a while, to cause harm. Are you getting me? So God is particular about developing souls. And I said, the tongue is the first thing. Power over your tongue. Power over your tongue. You must, you must be a builder. You must never tear down. You must never destroy. You must never kill. You know what Paul was saying? He said, out of the same mouth, flowed both blessing and curse. He said, these things ought not to be so. You can't bless and curse at the same time. Amen. So the Lord was telling me, just stop. Don't, don't talk, eh? So when people will say everything and, you know, and all that, you, don't, you just don't say. Learn to fetch this, this training was learned to, to talk, to speak by inspiration. 
Even though you have many things you can say, you don't have to say them. It's actually tra- it's a training to allow your tongue to be controlled by the, by the spirit. You wait for inspiration. The, the way, when I began to do that, I began to see that it's like wisdom began to gather yes. on the inside. When you refrain yourself, wisdom begins to gather. Wisdom begins to, and, they, and wisdom, there's wisdom and there's wisdom. You know, there's wisdom of, ah, oh, let's do this, let's just, you have idea of what, no, no, there's different. There is wisdom and there is inspired wisdom that, that when you wait, you give the Holy Ghost time. They can minister to you, and this is the, one of the grace of Christ. A Christ soul is a soul that, is a, is a soul that can, fetch off, bring forth life from a higher realm. You can bring forth life. And then when you bring forth life from that realm, impose it on the natural. When you bring it on the natural, the natural can give way. The natural can answer to the, because you are, you are living from a higher world and a higher place. Amen. There is no situation... No circumstance that there is no wisdom in Christ to deal with. The thing is that a lot of times we act out naturally and scatter and spoil the whole problem. And then with every action you take, you are complicating the whole matter. Things are getting worse and getting bad and getting bad because you you don't have the grace. We are supposed to take your time, learn to live Learn to live from an inspired place. It's something that you carry. It's a life you carry with you. Beyond just reading the Bible and praying. You know what I mean? You learn to live from an inspired place. In every conversation, you don't have to have an answer right away. You don't have to respond, oh, someone just said something about me, or oh, you accused me of this, or you said this about this, or you did this, or you did that. If you are not sure what that whole thing is about, wait. Wait, just take your time. Wait about it. Wait about it. Or if you feel the wrong emotions, don't speak. It's okay. Let those, let those emotions play out until you understand what's going on. Then in that space, you give the Holy Spirit time. If the Holy Ghost needs to quench your wrong feeling, your anger, your resentment, he has time to do it can do that, and he can then bring the wisdom that is from above for that situation. Okay, there's a way you can say it. There's what you can say. This is how you are supposed to come, convey it. You will, it will now make you consider many things. That you now discover that the person who is just talking, he himself is weak. He's coming from, he's talking out of weakness. Are you getting me? <laughs> he himself needs help. You, you can gain the posture, you can help the ministry of salvation when you yield yourself to the grace and the wisdom of the, of the Holy Spirit. Your goal should be to, to give life, not death. That should be your, your goal, is that anywhere you are, your interactions, your relationships, 
Let what's coming from you be life. When you get to a place, let you being there, let it be that life is being added in that place. What is life? Life is grace. Give everybody a long rope. Don't hold anything too tightly. Because most times it's the things of the natural that cause strife and all of those things. Amen. Amen. So some of these little principles are like practically, they are, they are key. If when you're interested in the development of your own depths, your conscience, mastery, like Jesus did, right? It was through suffering. So sufferings, suffering does not mean Jesus did not have food to eat. Suffering, suffering means you, to suffer means to suffer your own to die. So that, that inward suffering is greater than any external suffering, right? The pain of not just gratifying your flesh, Right, and then allowing your heart to take whatever is coming and let it settle down. Allow God to, to, to use, to, to be manifest in that situation is more painful than any other external kind of suffering that you can suffer. But that's the kind of suffering, like, and you can see, you saw that in Jesus' life, right? At every time that he, he could react back, he could speak back, most times he would not because he had gained mastery in that area. Amen. Sorry, that was just a big digression. But, um, so you see that he, he wants to bring many sons to glory, right? And the pathway, verse 10, Hebrews 2, verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation, what? Perfect through what? Suffering. So your, your idea of suffering should change now. Let it change. Let it change. Let it change. You know what these sufferings are? The sufferings is not outside you. It's inside you. Suffer for Christ. Suffer. Suffer. I don't know I'm hammering on this thing. It's just strong inside me this morning. Praise God. Some of us cannot suffer for Christ. You always like to detach suffering from yourself. You will give money instead. Let me give money instead. Let me give money or give something else. But when it comes to your own time, your life, yourself, we don't allow him to break through in that. So denying your own self, denying, don't just say the wrong thing just to make yourself feel good. Think you are a temple. You are a temple. Out of you, bitter waters should not flow. Dead waters should not flow. Wrong waters should not flow. Waters of strife and, and, and hatred and those things should not flow out of you. Regard yourself as a temple. That's the suffering. It's like this house. God gave me this house. See this house, this path beyond the body. I mean this heart. You see this heart, this soul. God wants to, is a house that God wants to prepare to use. God wants to live here. He wants to stay here. He wants this place to become his temple. So, so it means that, okay, for that to, to occur, for that to come to pass, then 
I have to suffer. What is your suffering? Is that don't use it for yourself. Don't use it anyhow. This is how you present your bodies a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to me. These are the way, this is the way you purge your conscience is by sacrificing. This is how you are led as a, as a lamb to the slaughter, by sacrifices, by sacrifices, by letting go of yours, by letting go of yours. These sacrifices is how you lay down your life. These sacrifices is how you present yourself as a living sacrifice. These sufferings is what present you as a living sacrifice that is acceptable unto me. This is how you are raised. It's how you are raised. Listen, listen. Take this to heart. Take this to heart. Take this to heart. Keep this. Keep this in your memory. Keep this in the depths of your heart. Keep this in the depths of your heart. For this is how you sacrifice. This is the this is the my this is this is my sufferings. This is my sufferings. This is how I am raised and formed in you. This is how I am raised and formed in you. These are the depths. These are the depths where Christ springs from. This is where the life comes from. Without these conditions, without these contradictions, life can't comfort. Life doesn't comfort without 
about the contradictions, the sacrifices, the sacrifices, just as how Christ laid down his life and sacrificed and it benefited him nothing, is how you lay down your life, is how you sacrifice, the sacrifice, Christ is the example, so you follow the path, you follow the path, you follow the path, and you sacrifice, you sacrifice for to gain life, you sacrifice for to gain life, you sacrifice for to inherit life, this is the way of life, this is the way of life, says the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sacrifice means you, means you take something that's, that's valuable to you, right, and you, you give it for the sake of a higher purpose in order to get something better, for something better. And sacrifice to God always, always result in your gain. It's just it's something else that you gain. God is not a wicked God. God actually has a record. When you, you give a sacrifice, it's actually his sacrifice is for you. It's actually to better you. It's to help you. It's to give you something better. He wants to take your debt from you to give you life. But sometimes we are in love with our debt and we fight God. We don't want God to take it. We love it. We just, we hold on, we cherish our debt. We don't want it to be taken away. But God wants to give us life. Amen. These are the, these are the times of, of sacrifice. We have to master we have to master sacrifice. Mm-hmm. We, have to learn, we have to learn sacrifice. How to, the nature, the disposition of sacrifice. That's one of the main purpose of Christ, right? The entire priestly calling is for sacrificing. Even the whole tribe left their whole inheritance. They left their whole thing. God said, leave it, just come. God created another life for them. Are you getting me? So the, the priestly life is, a, is actually a life of sacrifice. So anybody who will, anyone who will actually come to God, before you are getting close to God, you must have been a master of sacrifice. That's why the, the services of God actually, they actually summarized in sacrifices, like offering things that you have to offer for God, for the life of God. Some of us can offer things. Some of us, we can't offer friendship. Friendship, but when you, as you are young, friendships, some of those things are the, the kind of things that you begin to offer to God. God will demand them. And when God demands something, sometimes you will know. Sometimes when God has demanded something, you know, you will fight to keep it. But you know God has demanded this thing. You don't want to give it up. And it's not because God wants to make you sad or something. It's that this thing is not good for you. Let it go. Because I have, I have what? I have something better. I have something better for you.
Praise God. It's not possible to be holy without sacrifices. Because the, the purpose of sacrifice is for purification. Right? When God says, give me that thing, is that the, the, because things that you're in your life are attached to, to filthiness. They're actually attached to sin. When you, when you find a sin in his soul, that sin is tied to things. That sometimes God will say, I must take this thing to deal with those sins. So, and if you don't want to give those things away, it's hard for you to deal with the sins without giving up of the things that are tied, that are tied to that sin. Praise God. And a lot of times when God demands a sacrifice of something, sometimes you, if you don't offer the sacrifice, you know, we, we are negotiators, we try to negotiate. But sometimes, a lot of t- most times, in fact, that's the way it is. If you don't want to offer that sacrifice, you can't move beyond that point. That's the order in the realm of the spirit. So they mark movement in the spirit by point of sacrifice. When you journey, you see how the fathers used to, used to journey. They would journey to a place, then raise an altar. They can't just, when that time for that sacrifice, the way they discern it, based on their dealing with God, is it time for a sacrifice? If you don't raise an altar, that altar is, for, is to move into the next phase of the journey. That when God has done something significant, they will raise an altar. So you see, in, the, in, the, in, in their journeys from altar to altar, journeying the Spirit is actually off from one altar to the next altar, to the next altar. So on each altar, you are pouring sacrifice. Are you getting me? So they tie journeying in the spirit to the giving of what? Of sacrifice. So if you don't sacrifice, see how they, they look at the tabernacle, for example, coming to God, right? They then demarcated it into, and each, at each point is sacrifice. It's a point of offering. And, and you now see that they, they, they look at the two veils. It's time of, you must offer something for that veil to part. Then you must offer something for the, the other veil to part. That's the way it is spiritually. So, you see, sometimes in our walk with God, a lot of times, what ushers you to the next level is, is, is sacrificing something. That if you choose not to sacrifice that thing, the door into the next realm, the next place, will not open to you. When God is asking for it, you are choosing to hold it. You can justify it. You can say this, find a way, find some spiritual way. Some of us are so skilled. We even look around. If you talk to this brother, he doesn't give you the answer you're looking for. Maybe the other one will get another revelation. I know how this one thinks. That one, his revelation is different. Then you go to the one that has the revelation that, that you know, some revelations are interesting. And they always have scripture behind their own. Praise God. Like, like Saul. You know Saul's reason was a very good reason. Very, very, very good reason. In fact, Saul's reason was sacrifice. But that was not the sacrifice God wanted. The sacrifice God wanted from Saul was obedience. Go and kill these people. Saul said, no, we can sacrifice them. 
to him, he thought that sacrifice, are you getting me, was higher. But that's not what God asked him for. So you see, obedience is actually sacrifice. That's the real sacrifice. See, to obey is, is what better than sacrifice, though hacking than the fat of rams. So Jesus' own sacrifice was actually obedience by the things which he suffered. He learned how to obey. He learned obedience by what? The things which, what? which he suffered. That's how you learn obedience. You learn obedience by what? The things which you suffer. Praise the Lord. So a person who is now moving into a place of graduation in Christ and they want to now open the word of God to you. You mean you are a master offerer. You are a master sacrificer. You, are, you have learned the skill of giving God what he wants. You have learned the skill. You've mastered the skill of giving God what he wants. That's a skill you need to... You're a young person. We're all young here, thank God. That's the greatest thing you can learn in your life is the, the skill of giving God what he wants. That will determine how far you can go in life. And that's, that's something that's useful to learn from a young age. I, sometimes I'll see a young person. I'll see a young person. You can't even give the most little thing. You don't have anything yet, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, I understand some old people sometimes, I understand them. You know, when this word begins to come, you see an older person, maybe 50 years, 60 years, they've lived their whole life a certain way. I know as you are living a certain way in the path, your, your person is getting interwoven and married to the path that you have taken. And if you just want to change paths, there are many things that will affect. You have family here, you have dependents here, you have career here, you have many things that you have woven around a certain way of life. So, there's, there's some people I feel like I'm not, even, I'm not even qualified to even preach to. You know what I mean? I can't go and maybe preach to maybe a 60, 50-year-old man now who has lived a certain way. I'll say, no, there's a revelation about the Son of God that, you know, all these things in the world, that you just count them down and just follow the, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I don't have, praise God, amen. First of all, the guy will feel like, you just young boy, you don't even know anything. You have no clue about it. Because to that guy, no matter my revelation, everything I'm talking about is still theory. Because probably what he has amassed, I haven't gotten to the point where I've amassed such things to give it. So, in that kind of thing. So now, thank God I'm talking to young people. But my problem is sometimes you see a young person that just the most little thing, the most little thing, you cannot give up for Jesus. Just the most little thing, you can't give it up. It's not good. It's not good. At this, this is the point where you are supposed to learn. Learn to give your... Because you don't have much yet. Are you getting me? You don't have much yet. When The, the more you have, are you, if you've not mastered giving, sacrificing, and you begin to have things... It's not a good thing. It's from little, they, they begin to train you. Just little, little things. They just give up that little one. Give up that little thing. Praise God. Sometimes little things, you're having conversations that are not good for you. They don't help you. 
Just leave this thing alone. It's not helping you. You will see on top of that thing. Praise God. On top of that thing, there will be war. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the Lord will help us and give us a different heart. Praise the Lord. I think we have to go now. Let's just begin to pray and thank God. Praise the Lord. Let's thank God for today and for his mercy and grace. Praise the Lord. We have to go, right? Yeah. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Our Father, we bless you. We ask take these words today and use it and bring about establishment in all righteousness for us. I pray that you will make the doctrine sit in our heart in a real way, a tangible way that will give us access into further things that you have. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.